Hi, and welcome to the Bureau Podcast, your new home for compelling, trustworthy, and independent investigative journalism. The Bureau.News is the new home of Canada's finest independent investigative journalist, Sam Cooper, and features exclusive breaking stories and analysis of domestic and international developments you simply can't find anywhere else. You'll definitely want to subscribe to the Bureau.News on Substack, where Sam Cooper has taken up residence. His latest dispatches are delivered right to your email inbox. That is Substack and the Bureau.News. I'm John McComb, the host of the Bureau podcast, and I catch up with Sam regularly to discuss his latest investigations. Most recently, the Chinese Communist Party's attempt to interfere with and undermine our democratic election processes, surveil and intimidate members of Canada's Chinese community, and control and influence Chinese as well as mainstream Canadian news outlets. On today's Bureau podcast, Sam and I break down his exclusive interview with Brad West, the popular and outspoken mayor of the Vancouver suburb of Port Coquitlam, B.C., And Sam, Mayor West has stepped forward with allegations after CSIS and community sources warned him about threats from China's repressive communist regime. What's up? That's right, John. Uh, I conducted a very lengthy and in-depth interview with Mayor West, who came forward to me because he recognized that I've been reporting on this issue for years. And most recently, of course, the revelations that China deeply interfered in our recent federal elections. But Mayor West's point was that he claimed he had evidence that this goes much deeper. It goes to the municipal level, especially in British Columbia. I know and have started to dig into this interference across Canada at all levels, as I have told you. But uh, Mayor West essentially told me that he got a tip from community sources that the Chinese Communist Party and its interference networks, as you know, we call them United Front Work Units in Canada. They're comprised of purported pro-Beijing community leaders who, as uh, Mayor West says, and as my CSIS documentation and evidence says, are really being controlled by Chinese diplomats. Mayor West said that these networks got very concerned with his uh, outspoken criticism of Beijing's policies in Canada. But not only that, when he very publicly protested the detention of the two Michaels in the fall of 2019, they became, as he said, infuriated and eventually decided to target him as a critic of the Chinese regime and one they were very concerned about rising in stature in Canadian politics above his position as a popular Vancouver area mayor. Let's listen to Mayor Brad West and what he says about the fallout from his taking a stand against the Union of BC Municipalities holding meetings with members of the Chinese Communist Party. It really all came to a head at the Union of BC Municipalities convention in 2019. At that time, Chinese Communist Party had Michael Stavra, Michael Colbert being held hostage. And I became aware that the UBCM was going to continue its long-standing practice of accepting financial contributions from the Chinese government in exchange for allowing them to host a reception with municipal politicians, with mayors and councillors from all over British Columbia, 
where they get together behind closed doors, free drinks, free food, and an opportunity for the Chinese Communist Party and its officials to build these relationships with local politicians. I have always been opposed to that sort of arrangement. This whole incident very much put me on the radar for the Chinese Communist Party. And I learned in the months and years that followed that incident and the amount of media attention it generated as it became national news. Uh, and the video associated with my act of protest was played over and over again. And it shamed the UBCM into ending this decades-long practice of accepting financial contributions from the Chinese government and allowing them to host a reception that no longer happened. Because of all of those things, Chinese Communist Party officials were infuriated. They felt that they had been embarrassed. Uh, apparently, there was a number of meetings amongst local officials, people who are involved in the United Front in Metro Vancouver, and those who are sympathetic to their aims. And it was the subject of a, a lot of consternation and discussion. And obviously, I became very much on the radar after that event. And so, Sam, clearly Brad West finds himself on the radar of uh, the Chinese government. And talk about that and what that what that means, because uh, he's certainly not the only person to be on the radar. But what happens then? Right. The first important point is that I had heard from Mayor West within the past two years that he had been briefed by CSIS on issues surrounding what he said were China's concern about him as a politician. And I think he would be uh, okay with me saying he was one of those Canadians that were advised under no terms should he travel to China. He could be in danger. I'll share that because uh, it won't surprise people. I myself, I'm also on that list. CSIS has told me I should not travel to China because I've become a, a prominent reporter on these interference issues. But it's very important to say that Mayor West's claims, they come from him as a credible politician. CSIS would not confirm or deny whether they talked to Mayor West. But for me, it was very credible that CSIS has, on a number of occasions, talked to Mayor West about their concerns with China's activity in the province. And essentially, uh, it's the same story that we now know from federal politics, where the former conservative MP Kenny Chu who was a, a critic of China. And basically, uh, as Mr. Chu will say, he suggested a foreign agent's registry, not specifically targeting China. This was for any hostile nation activity in Canada. It's now proven through documentation, essentially. Mr. Chu was attacked very broadly. His uh, election efforts in 2021 were torpedoed by wide-scale Chinese disinformation, especially through the WeChat platform. MP Michael Chan targeted in the same way as a critic of Beijing's genocide in, in Xinjiang. MP Aaron O'Toole, the list goes on and on. Another BC politician, NDP Jenny Kwan. And so Mayor West came forward with his side of the story saying, for the very same reasons, he has been targeted by Beijing through these intelligence operatives in the pro-Beijing business community in British Columbia, who on WeChat networks 
sought to, as Mayor West says, find a candidate to run and defeat, run against and defeat Mayor West with the, the important quotation, really, someone that the Chinese community could get behind. And John, as you know, my reporting has shown that these other federal interference operations are about Beijing's increasing efforts to get the Chinese diaspora in Canada under its control through various means. This can include, you know, business bribes. More concerning for Canadians, uh, people living in fear in Canada, is direct threats to the community so that they will be compelled or coerced or influenced through disinformation to vote for who Beijing wants in Canadian elections. And to boil it all down in a nutshell, Brad West and his very, you could almost say, in-your-face protest against Beijing's uh, meeting with Canadian politicians, its egregious detention of the Michaels, as Mayor West says, he infuriated Beijing and their local operatives, and that's why they tried to uh, unseat him in the 2022 municipal election. Well, here's what Brad West had to say about uh, the CCP running this active operation against him. And they also tried to portray him as, quote, a lapdog for Donald Trump. Over the years, I noticed things that suggested to me people associated with the Chinese Communist Party had certainly taken an interest in my activities and that they would be concerned about someone like me as a mayor being very vocal in opposition to their objectives. And also I was advised by CSIS during one of my meetings with them that they would be very concerned that I might one day move beyond being mayor of Port Coquitlam into a, a higher office and that that could represent a real threat to their aims and objectives. Over the last couple of years, I've had people in the Chinese community pass along screenshots of WeChat messages and posts from people who they say are associated with the United Front and who was seeking a candidate to run against me that the, quote, Chinese community could get behind and support. And so I had a conversation with those folks who brought it to me, and they kind of chuckled, actually, in that when it came time to for them to try and convert their misrepresentation into an attempt to take me out of office, I guess, they couldn't even get someone to run. And they made comments along the lines of me being a lapdog to Donald Trump and the United States being anti-China. They told me that this is often something that is used in Canada to try and create this juxtaposition of individuals who they see as being hostile to the government of China are somehow devotees of Donald Trump or the United States of America. And of course, in my case, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, it's amazing, at least on one hand, it seems like trying to compare uh, Brad West to Donald Trump or being a lapdog of Donald Trump is so outlandish and so ridiculous. But through this WeChat channel, which seems to come up in almost every discussion we have, this is clearly propaganda and disinformation that is aimed specifically at the Chinese community. Am I correct? 
You're absolutely correct. And John, I will inform our listeners of what I would call sort of the investigative process that I've been able to uniquely undertake. No one else in Canada had access to a package that then MP Aaron O'Toole, as we know, he's now moved on. He was to meet with the special rapporteur, David Johnston, and his team and deliver what the Conservatives had collected during the 2021 election of all these WeChat messages that were targeting O'Toole and Kenny Chu and the Conservative Party. And O'Toole's party was very concerned that, again, as we now know, CSIS had the same view. The diaspora is being influenced by this broad social media app that is under the direct control of China's propaganda departments. And so I reviewed the evidence in, let's call it the O'Toole dossier, and we can just go through it. And these messages were saying, O'Toole will be like the Donald Trump-like leader. He will take Canada towards a Trump-like America. Kenny Chu referred to in the same terms, quote unquote, lapdog. So the messages... I had this evidence. I didn't tell Mayor West about it. You know, he he may be reading some reports, but as someone that's trained, you know, I sit in courts, I listen to evidence. I said, okay, now that I'm hearing from Brad West's mouth that he was called this exact same, you know, a lapdog, this matches perfectly the evidence I've reviewed. And as you sort of indicate, here we have, as our BC listeners know, Brad West sits in the center left or that kind of political region with, he's very close with the, uh, the NDP. Some even considered him, you know, a potential leadership candidate for that party. We now know Premier Eby uh, won that spot. But okay, here is a, a center left politician being called a Trump-like politician, a racist all kinds of smears that are the very same as uh, Aaron O'Toole, who some would say a right or center-right politician, Kenny Chu. So to me, I would say this is valuable evidence, I'm calling it that, for people to read and to understand what I call the technology and the Chinese intelligence messaging being used to target our electorate, and it matches up. It doesn't matter if you're on the left, center, or right, you will be called what Beijing wants to color you as, and they want to, I'll just say, it could be offensive to some people, but a former Vancouver-based editor named Victor Ho, who is also cited in CSIS documents, says that he is concerned that the diaspora in Canada month by month is getting brainwashed by CCP propaganda on social media, these messages. And by the way, as you know, I've reported Australia's government has the very same concern. Absolutely. And you've also talked about how uh, the Australians have taken action that Canada seems for some reason reticent uh, to follow, including uh, a list of foreign officials who are lobbying and who are doing that kind of work in Australia. And the interesting thing to me is that the relationship between Australia and China is very close in the sense that Australia's economy is tied very, very closely to China. And even with that, the Australians stood up and said, no, we're not going to allow this to happen anymore. We're not going to allow you to influence the Chinese community. We're not going to allow you to influence our politicians. And they passed legislation and they actually threw some people out. They deported some folks back to China. And so, you know, here's Australia, which has a lot to lose 
showing up Canada as being a, a laggard in these areas. I agree. And I'll, the, a few points jump to mind. One, you're right. Uh, we For Australia, we can compare their trade relationship with China to Canada and the United States. That's who is driving the Australian economy in a large way, China. So for them to take these actions and, uh, by the way, throw out, as I've reported uh, and, and in my book, someone that could be a total analog for these community leaders in Toronto and Vancouver. It would be someone that's trying to get next to Canadian people at the Senate level or minister level in Australia. This person I'm talking about allegedly corrupted an Australian senator. He was gambling something in the tune of $800 million in Australian casinos. The allegations or suspicions are very close to uh, alleged transnational crime groups, real estate developer. John, I'm telling you, Australia took a move and uh, tossed this individual. I know because I am aware of Australian and Canadian intelligence, they say the model in Australia and Canada is the same. The community leaders involved in targeting and corrupting our politicians have these nefarious ties. And uh, not to keep kicking at this horse here, but yes, Australia moved at considerable risk to their own economy. Why I believe Brad West is relevant, I called him in the lead of the story, arguably in Canadian politics, the sharpest critic of Beijing. And I know he's faced some criticisms. Why, as you of a mayor of a relatively small Vancouver area municipality, are you speaking out at this international level? And West simply says, because the vast majority, almost no other politicians are stepping up and, and talking about these things that are staring us in the face. That's why I do believe he says he was targeted by China because they feared he would get even more powerful office and they couldn't have that. That would get in the way of their very deep and sophisticated operations targeting Canada, starting at the municipal level, as Mayor Brad West says he knows. He also talked about, uh, in your uh, exclusive interview with him, the mayor talked about the areas of China's interference that he's most concerned with. And he touched on why so few Canadian politicians are speaking out about this threat to our democracy. I've been a very consistent advocate for the Uyghur community, and I've met with them extensively, continued to raise the genocide that is occurring of Uyghurs in China, and I would say have also been very vocal both in media and at different forums where I have the opportunity to speak around Canada's, in my opinion, lackluster response to the issue of foreign interference, to the meddling in elections, to the suppression of people's ability to exercise their freedom of speech in Canada, to the existence of Chinese police stations within our country. All of these issues continue to be consistent and, and speak out on throughout my entire term. I believe that there's something very fundamental at stake, and it's about what type of country we're going to have, and it's about our democracy. It's about things as basic as that for me. And and if people aren't willing to stand up and say something, then my God, it is just so easy for the Chinese Communist Party to continue the down path that they have been down, because most politicians are silent. Most of them don't want to say anything at all about it. It's the last issue they want to have to address. And when they are forced to address it, there's a lot of explaining away 
there's a lot of word salad. There's a lot of talk with no action. And so someone like myself, where this is a deeply held conviction, I, I think it's important to continue to be a voice in the, in the public to apply that pressure, to not let these issues go away, to speak for others who, who can't speak because their families could be hurt in some way um, back in China or in Hong Kong. And so that has all really been what drives me. You know, it's amazing to me, Sam, that, as Brad West says, that so few politicians are willing to stand up and speak up about this, about the Chinese interference, about what... China is doing nefariously in Canada. And I don't think every one of them is corrupt, but I think that a lot of them just don't want to be involved in it. You know, they don't want to comment. They don't want to know. It's like they've got the blinders on and I don't want to know about this stuff. Yeah, I have been thinking about that and why I believe West's testimony, I'm going to call it, or evidence in this in-depth transcript that we published for the Bureau is important is because I think the vast majority of Canadian politicians are pretty astute, pretty well-informed. A lot of them are pretty smart, not all of them. <laughs> Some of them may not be seeing the world uh, as it is. They, they're seeing it how they wish it was. But I do think that simply through the meetings that they have and what they gather in their political circles, most Canadian politicians have a pretty clear idea that they are being targeted for influence, especially by China in Canada, and that in non-kosher ways. Uh, they know the stories of their colleagues that have gone off to uh, Beijing on these paid-for junkets. Some of them come back and it seems that their personal business opportunities in their lives suddenly get better. Some of them get the idea, as uh, experts such as Charles Burton have said much more eloquently than I do, that after they're out of office, there'll be myriad opportunities with law firms in Canada that are international or, or connected. So West, I call him a whistleblower. He's coming out and his motivation, he says, is that too many people in his community are living in fear. They tell him that not only is he a target, Canadians are targeted by Beijing and someone has to speak up. I think you're hinting towards willful blindness. And I do think the reasons here are that not only do Canadian politicians realize that they could get benefits if they just shut their mouth on Beijing, if they do the opposite of what Brad West is doing, but also, as we know, John, like the business community is very important to political success. You need your backers, you need your donations. And a lot of powerful people in Canadian business are afraid of losing business opportunities in China, and they may have other fears about more squalid connections coming to light if people in politics speak up. So I believe that is a hush that has fallen over a, a great many people in Canadian politics that West is blowing the whistle on. Well, indeed, and you, you mentioned earlier that uh, he told you about the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to interfere in his election. They didn't get very far because he's a very popular mayor. But he also said that municipal politics in particular are vulnerable to China's overtures. Here's what he had to say. When you put it all together, all the puzzle pieces, and you look at the continual interest that they've taken in me being told by CSIS back in 2019 that I was on their radar, the messages that were disseminated over the number of years 
and then finally the attempt to recruit someone who they could, quote, get behind to run against me as mayor. That looks to me like another example of foreign interference that we're seeing in numerous examples come to light. And most of those examples obviously have been at a, a federal and provincial level. But I have always known and have spoken out about this and have warned people about this, that the soft underbelly is often local government and municipal politics. And that is where the Chinese Communist Party tries to insert themselves. They're trying to build relationships with municipal politicians in the hopes that those individuals do go on to become MLAs or MPs or cabinet ministers or premiers or prime ministers. And then that they will have a relationship. And again, their operation is very sophisticated. I mean, that's why they sponsored the UPCM. That's why they offered, they had that uh, reception. That's why they would take municipal politicians, including mayors and councillors from very small towns in British Columbia, take them on trips to China. They did all of those things, not out of the goodness of their heart, but because they have an agenda. You know, John, I've been researching these interference networks from top to bottom of Canadian politics in both Ontario and British Columbia specifically. And for years, in conjunction to my looking into casino money laundering networks, I became interested in some of the, what I and Mayor West call United Front community leaders that are influenced by these diplomats in Vancouver. I became interested in a particular politician that we won't name today. Perhaps this will come out if there's a public inquiry. But I became interested that this politician was turning up at these meetings about China's so-called peaceful reunification about Taiwan. My sources pointed towards a politician, various politicians in British Columbia, but uh, one particularly came up. And uh, several years ago, I talked to Mayor West, and he had told me that he learned from his political contacts a British Columbia politician was starting to make what West called veiled threats, that West, if he was going to speak out about China, he needed to be concerned about uh, Chinese-Canadian voters turning against him. I'll just add that I was aware that this politician, you know, it's very interesting to me, repeatedly turned up, not only uh, standing beside Chinese consulate officials, but standing beside, you know, one or two of the characters that I was most interested because RCMP was interested in these characters in its e-pirate international money laundering investigation. And yet, so why do we have a BC politician or politicians standing with what we or I learned were transnational organized crime targets? So to jump to the chase here, when West had told me that this politician was making veiled threats of leveraging Chinese Canadian voters against Mayor West, this really meshed with uh, other intelligence that I've heard about how the consulate, through politicians allegedly and community leaders, tries to run these election interference operations. So I asked uh, Mayor West point blank, is it possible that this politician we spoke previously about is part of these United Front networks targeting you, as you say, Mayor West, and more broadly, are more BC politicians involved in the United Front? I do believe that there is coordination that occurs with the United Front and people active in 
politics on a number of levels in British Columbia, both elected and non-elected. I think the vulnerabilities are significant, and I would describe it this way. It's almost like the situation with the two Michaels and then COVID-19 and then the you know continued deterioration of the relationship between the government of China and the government of Canada. It almost put everything on ice, and it, it seemed like people were a lot more circumspect about it and not as brazen, because I would describe the situation prior to that as being incredibly brazen in terms of politicians openly voting about their, with the Chinese government officials, you know, parroting the lines, the same lines of the Chinese Communist Party pushing forward on their objectives as it relates to increased economic reliance, thinking nothing of going on Chinese government-sponsored trips to China. It was incredibly brazen. It was all right in front of our face, despite, even at that time, the warnings from, from CSIS and others about how inappropriate it was, about the fact that government of China has an agenda and that those folks are playing right into their hands. I would say that the, the last few years, it almost put a bit of it on ice because the Chinese Communist Party has been on the defense. They were on offense for a long time, and, and now they're no longer on offense. They're on defense. There was uh, a couple of years there where, because of the fear of the public attention and having to then answer questions about, excuse me, Mr. Politician or Ms. Politician, why are you at this event that is being organized by the United Front? Why are you standing shoulder to shoulder with members of the Chinese Communist Party? You know, what is it that you're meeting with the Chinese Consul General to discuss? They didn't want to have to answer those questions. They didn't want the attention. They didn't want people to know. And so it's almost like they went to ground. But now I am seeing, I'm seeing with my own two eyes, and I'm hearing from others that as we're in the summer and maybe the attention is not there as much, and maybe this hope for interference in our federal election is waning and other issues are emerging and the media and the public attention is shifting, you can see the reemergence of this type of relationship building, as they would call it. But the key thing to understand is we have a long ways to go until we actually see our government follow through with some actions. We're going to continue to have to be on guard against this type of interference. Well, Sam, one of the aspects of this that is interesting and I think speaks well of Brad West is that he was invited to uh, sit down and have, uh, I think, what we used to call a frank and useful discussion with uh, the American Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, on the issue of uh, China and money laundering and other things. What was up with that? That's right. Uh, and it is very interesting to me that Mayor West, of all the politicians across Canada, he was the one invited to a meeting with several other mayors and the Secretary of State. This was in Denver in the spring of 2023. And they were talking about the devastation of opioid abuse across North America, how it's driving deaths in our communities. And his account of the conversation 
was stunning to me in a few ways. Really, as you know, John, I've been looking at, can we say, you know, I've been making the connections between transnational organized crime and government entities in China. And a lot of people question that. But others in Canadian and U.S. governments have said for the amount of fentanyl precursors flooding into North America, China is a government that can control anything within its bounds. It controls the factories. If it wants fentanyl precursor production to end, it will end. And yet all of this devastating toxins are flowing into Canada. As I've reported, Vancouver is an absolute hub for transnational fentanyl production and shipment around the world. Why is it happening like this? And uh, Mayor West told me that Secretary of State Blinken was very frank in saying that China could stop this activity. It shows no interest in cracking down on precursors. And it, in fact, could be benefiting from the havoc that's taking place in our North American cities from fentanyl overdoses that could be fulfilling some of Beijing's aims and objectives. And I listened to Mr. Mayor West's answer. This is shocking. It should be shocking to everyone. It was an incredibly consequential meeting from my perspective. First, on a personal level, it was humbling to be asked as the mayor of Port Coquitlam to be the only mayor from Canada to meet with Secretary Blinken. I have met with the secretary alongside the mayor of Denver and the mayor of Tijuana, and we spent over an hour together, about an hour and a half, and we had an incredibly direct and candid conversation about the the challenges of money laundering, drug trafficking, international organized crime, and fentanyl and opioids. And what impressed me about the secretary was how direct he was in naming the role of the government of China and what we're seeing playing out on our streets and in our community. He said that he had been tasked by the president to build an international response to what is occurring. And in doing that, he felt it was important to speak to local mayors who are on the ground, who are seeing the carnage uh, that this is all brought. He did not hold back in saying that the government of China not only shows no interest in clamping down on precursors being developed in China that are used for fentanyl and synthetic opioids, that in, in fact allowing it to happen creates a great deal of havoc in North America, in the United States, in the West, and that that certainly supports some of their objectives and their aims. He talked about the need for much stronger and uniform laws when it comes to being able to aggressively pursue those who are involved in, as you've described it so accurately, Sam, the Vancouver model, which, by the way, uh, the Secretary was familiar with. And him and I had a frank conversation about what that has looked like in our communities. He expressed his concern that there were a number of weak points in the on the Canadian side that uh, allow for transnational criminal organizations to use Canada as a safe haven 
both for distribution and also for the washing of money that is earned through drug trafficking. And so I came away from it impressed that he was so direct about it, that he sees it for what it is. There was no attempt to sugarcoat. You know, to be honest, I'm so used to hearing our Canadian politicians discuss this issue and they, they just talk around it. You can't even get them to utter the word China as it relates to fentanyl. But Secretary Blinken was very direct about it and the role that China is playing and the need to have an international coordinated response to it. The U.S. Secretary of State is saying Beijing doesn't want to crack down on fentanyl. And actually, this could be fulfilling its objectives to see these deaths in North America. Mayor West said, that's it. That's exactly the conversation. So, John, that starts to go towards what I've been hearing in theories from many law enforcement sources that Beijing is uh, benefiting from the, the opioids crisis, doesn't want it to stop. And I believe some people, uh, we haven't yet found the evidence of a document that people up high in Beijing's uh, government structure could be directing some of these uh, traffickers. But I'm working towards finding that evidence. And I do believe Secretary of State Blinken's comments to Mayor West tend to suggest that the U.S. government fears that could be the case. Another thing that I found was interesting, simply for Mayor West to be invited to this meeting with only a few politicians from the United States does indicate that here we have a mayor from one of the smaller municipalities in the Vancouver area that has been elevated into an international conversation. Mayor West says that he came away from that uh, reinforced in his belief that Canada's uh, laws against organized crime, money laundering, transnational illicit activities are very weak. He says Canada is a weak link in the chain. So here we have a politician that's talking to the highest levels of the U.S. government. He's just a mayor, but he could be rising in stature, and it tends to support about why Beijing would be concerned about this B.C. municipal mayor who is making some waves at the international level. Now, before we go, you are on the move. You're taking the Bureau internationally. What are you up to now? That's right. Uh, we have the opportunity. I've been offered uh, by the government of Taiwan to participate uh, in a trip for international reporters. So I'll be going to Taipei, the capital city, for the first week of September and assessing the situation. As you know, John, the threat of war is rising. I don't know that the, you know, a majority of people in the world are paying attention to this threat, but people at high levels in the United States, Japan, Taiwan, Australia are really taking the threat of an attack from the People's Liberation Army very seriously. Uh, there's an election coming up early next year in Taiwan, and this could be very influential on a lot of events in the world. So I aim to go report on the situation from Taiwan and look forward to talk to you about what I see there. Awesome. Can't wait to hear what you uh, come back with. And maybe we can uh, hook up while you're uh, in Taipei, which is a great city. I've spent some time there. And it, uh, Taiwan is a, is a wonderful place with a lot of really great people. So I'm sure you will enjoy yourself and uh, also do some serious sleuthing on our behalf. Until then, take care of yourself. We'll catch up soon. Thanks. Talk soon, John. 
To read more of Sam Cooper's groundbreaking independent investigative journalism, subscribe at thebureau.news. To find out more about the Bureau podcast, visit bureau.news or my website, johnmccomb.com. That's John with no H. We'll catch up with you next time. Until then, take care and thanks for listening.